little perforated section. Uh, you can connect in with us. You can let us know if you want to join a small group or have a pastor contact you or, or be baptized. But lo- notice on that backside, all that stuff that Ross Cooper was talking about, if you plan on helping Ross Cooper feed um, so many people at Luella High School this upcoming week, would you just let us know that? Um, let us know. Maybe you'd even, beyond the check marks there and beyond your name and address, you could even communicate what you plan on doing. That would be awesome. And if you want to reserve a meal for this Wednesday night's PPI, you can do that as well. Just drop that in the offering plate. We didn't mention everything happening in the life of our church. We trust you to read our worship guide, right? A lot going on because it's the fall season and it's a very busy season. And inside your worship guide, you'll also find a message outline. So I want to invite you to take that out and hopefully grab a pen and maybe your Bible or an iPad or an and, and, Um, your iPhone or your Android device. We're going to study God's Word together. Now, before I dive into um, what we're going to study together today, let me just share a couple of thoughts with you. Um, The first thought is, next week, I want to invite you. This this series finishes today. I love my church finishes today. But next week, I'm going to preach a message called Faith in Politics. And I bet you know what that's about, don't you? We live in a very political environment right now, don't we? And uh, next week, next Sunday, I'm going to speak to the election that is, uh, uh, that is happening here in our country. I'm going to speak to um, the, the values and the voter. And um, I want to invite you to, to be a part of that with us. It's going to be a great day for us to turn to Scripture and say, what in the world are we supposed to be doing right now as Americans? But more importantly, what are we supposed to be doing as Christ followers? And we will also have a very special time of praying over our nation next weekend. So don't miss that. Don't miss that. I pray that that service, um, many of you might, might have already voted by that time, but I pray that it will, it will not only prep your heart to be able to vote, but will, will, will be a good thing in our souls for getting ready for this election season. So don't miss that. Now, we've been in a series called I Love My Church, okay? And you've been seeing those shirts around everywhere, right? And people wearing their bracelets. And here's the deal. As we've been talking about I Love My Church, basically what we've been saying is Guess what? Here's the good news. I'm loud. Um, You already know that. So we've been doing this series called I Love My Church, and um, I Love My Church is really all about why I love my church, but it's also about the fact that we know God wants us to love the church the way he wants us to love the bride. And so together we've been studying God's word, yay. Together, I don't have to be so loud. Uh, Together we've been studying the word. And I just want to real quickly, as we're kind of coming to the end here, I want to recap, okay? I want to go back to where we began. Because sometimes it's just helpful to go back a few weeks and just remember, what did we do and what did we study? Because we've been studying some great scriptures from the Bible about the church. So in week, the very first thing we studied was we love by connecting. 
We, we love because we connect with each other, and God wants us to connect with each other. And if you remember that Sunday I read out of Hebrews, and it talked about how we have an access now to God the Father that we didn't have before, and we also have an access to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I use that metaphor of the fence, remember that? So many of you came up to me and said, man, that made a lot of sense because it is so easy to put barriers up between one another instead of really dropping our fences and really giving our whole our whole hearts to one another, to really be connected as a family. So that's where we began. We love each other deeply when we really drop our fences and we really start connecting with each other. On that next portion, we talked about serving. We said we get to love each other deeply through our service, and we get to love the world through our service. And if you remember on that Sunday, we read from, from Romans, and we discovered we have superpowers. Remember that? We said we have superpowers. God has given us spiritual gifts, and not only that, He's given us a superpower team, like the Avengers. Remember, we studied that. And we talked about what those gifts are and how God gives the church, he gives Christ followers gifts, and he doesn't want us to be people sitting on couch eating potato chips, right? He wants us to be using our gifts because he's put us in a city or in a community in great need. And so we are supposed to be doing heroic things in the name of Christ, and that's one of the ways we really grow in our love of what the church is all about, because we get to do it together. We're always stronger together than we are by ourselves with our gifts. Now, last week, we talked about how we love with our giving and how together we were able to do far more than we could ever do by ourselves. And if you missed last week, you really missed a blessing. Acts 4, we read about how the church was giving to those who had need. I challenged you guys to not look beyond the room, but to look right here where we are and last week, as I invited you guys to give, it was an extraordinary moment. Uh, the offering had already been taken, and I hope you got that email from me. If you did not get an email from me, then you need to go to our website and subscribe to our weekly newsletter that will come into your EE box. But last Monday, I sent out an email just to say what had happened. And I wanted to take just a moment before I preach today to, if you didn't get that email, to tell you what happened. Um, last week, when I, when I talked about giving. I, I challenge you guys to just give what you had that was, that was stuff maybe just in your purse or in your wallet, and then to invite folks afterwards just to come and receive. Okay, so let's don't touch any buttons. <laughs> let's leave all the buttons alone. Okay, so um, I don't know which microphone's working. There we go, okay. And last week while I was challenging you guys to give, um, there was a moment at which I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, be quiet, because I was being passed by people coming to give generously. And... Um, I looked, and the bucket that I had brought, the little chest that I had brought was way too small for your generosity. And um, afterwards, I, I, I challenged folks, if you had a need to come forward, and some folks came forward and had their utilities bills paid, and some folks came forward and had their expenses for their children done. Some folks came forward and got grocery money. Some folks came forward and got gas money. Uh, one person said that they just needed $15 to get a haircut because they hadn't had a, hair, had a haircut. And it was just a beautiful thing. And, and here's the cool thing. There's some folks who came up, and they didn't get anything out of the chest. They just wrote down their family prayer and what they're asking for because their family need cannot be met by money. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And when it was all said and done, 
People didn't abuse it. As a matter of fact, there was $1,200 left over just from that offering that we were able to put into a benevolence fund for our ministry to have an, as an ongoing source for anybody else who has need. And, and it was just a glorious thing. We, last weekend, we got to be Acts chapter 4. You know, we got to live it out together. And it was because of your obedience to the Holy Spirit and, and, the, and the incredible gift of grace. Remember we studied that? The gift of grace that was at work in you this past weekend. Well, today I want to talk with you about sharing. We love by sharing. I was in college the first time I've ever heard this, and I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but I just want to say it to you because it impacted me deeply. My dad had cancer, and somebody, somebody made this statement. If you had the cure for cancer and you didn't tell anybody, you would be one of the most evil people on the planet because you had the source of life and hope, and yet you're withholding it from somebody else. You know, when I heard that, I thought to myself, that is so true because my family was, was touched deeply by cancer as a disease. And, and we talk about loving by sharing. What we're going to be talking about today is, listen, you can say I love my church all you want to say, but if it's just, just about, you know, this nice little social party where we get to love on each other and be the family of God together, and we don't take the love to the streets, if we don't take this, the love to where we live, work, and play, then, then it really isn't the good news at all. It isn't. It's, it's our news. It's not the good news. So we're going to talk today about what it means to really love by sharing Jesus in our lives. Now, before I do that, I want to, I want, every, every week I've tried to have like a little metaphor. So I want to share a metaphor with you today. And I can't put it out here with my hands, but it'll be a metaphor that you understand. And here's the metaphor I want to think about with you today. I want you to think with me about a restaurant, okay? Think with, think, think with me for a minute about a restaurant that you were really excited about going to because it looked like it was going to be an awesome place. But then you got there, and the food, it was a neat environment and, and atmosphere, but the, the, the food just wasn't very good. You ever had a place like that? Let me give you a case in point for us. My family and I went down to Orlando, and we, we, we heard of this place called the Rain. Really? Check, check, check. Maybe we got a major battery problem this morning or something. Okay. We went down to the Rainforest Cafe, and um, if you've ever been to the Rainforest Cafe in Orlando, have you ever been there? Any of y'all ever been there? I mean, there's like moving things happening everywhere. You know, the moose on the wall, is, his head's moving up and down, you know, and, and the alligator's mouth is moving back and forth. The environment is incredible. It's kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese for adults, right? That's what it is. And, and the Rainforest Cafe was this awesome place. There was waterfalls. There were palm trees. It was neat. We got our table. It's packed. And we're like, wow, this is so cool. As a matter of fact, when I ordered my food, I got up and just took a tour of the whole restaurant because the atmosphere was so great. But then the food came, all right? And then the, when the food came, it was, it was terrible. It was bland. It was cold. It, was, it, it ruined the whole experience for us. It was a neat idea, neat concept. But because the food wasn't any good, and the experience wasn't any good at the end. Let me give you another moment. Maybe you've been to a restaurant before, and the food was incredible, but the atmosphere was terrible. Have you ever had that happen? When my wife and I, let me give you an example of this one. When my wife and I first moved here to Henry County, we heard about this restaurant called Pasta Max, okay? Now, um, 
the restaurant we had heard was good. And so we found the restaurant. And at the time, Pasta Max was located on 138. You had to drive through a gas station parking lot back to a hotel. And Pasta Max was located in this little like little small ballroom of the hotel. And I see so many of your heads nodding because you went to that place. And, and I went there, and it was good food. Are you with me? I mean, we were like, um, these, these rolls were drenched. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it was drenched in butter and garlic, and I was like, wow. But we drove through a gas station parking lot and had to go into a ballroom to find the place, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Pasta Max, we have some great friends. They're, they're great friends of ours who own that restaurant, and this is not a commercial for them. But anyway, um, now Pasta Max is downtown. They got the atmosphere going. You know, yeah, have you ever been there? If you haven't ever been there, just trust me. Great food, great atmosphere, phenomenal experience. I mean, one of the better restaurants here in Henry County. So I, I want to put a little math equation, and it's not in your outline. Maybe you'd write it on the side there. I want to put a little math equation. Here's the math equation for all you statisticians, you know. Food, great food. Plus, atmosphere will equal your experience. If you have bad food or bad atmosphere, it's going to equal your experience. But if I like to think of it this way. When you have great food and you have great atmosphere, you can have a phenomenal experience. Now, today I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a repeated question over and over again. But here's the question. How do people who are not in the kingdom, how are, how, how are people who are not Christ followers, how do they ever get to experience the kingdom? How do they get to discover about it? How do they learn about it? How do they hear about it? And then how do they get to taste it? How do they get to see it? How do they get to feel it? How do people who are not in the kingdom, who are not, in the, who are not Christ followers, get to experience the kingdom of God? By the way, when Jesus came to the planet... He talked about one thing more than anything else, and it was called the kingdom of God. Over and over again, he would say, here's a story, here's an example, here's, an, here's a picture of the kingdom of God. How do people who are not in the kingdom experience the kingdom? If you've got your Bibles with me, look with me at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going to give us a couple of metaphors. He's a, he's a master teacher. And listen to what he says. And by the way, he doesn't say this about somebody else. He doesn't say this about a group of people. He looks at them individually while he's teaching, and he teaches from Matthew chapter 5. Listen to his words. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You got your pen? You might want to circle that word, you. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt? If it's lost its flavor, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Second metaphor. You, you, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So a couple of metaphors. Let's break them down real quickly. Salt. Salt is a flavor agent. When you, you use salt when you have a bland plate of food in front of you. You know, you taste it, and it just doesn't have the stuff you want, you know. You use some salt, and that flavoring agent makes that food, that blandness, 
come to life. By the way, salt is also a preserving agent, right? It can make things last longer and better. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What is he saying there? Don't grasp the the weight of what Jesus is saying. You matter. You should matter to the planet. Your word, your life, you should not be able to live and then die and not have had incredible influence because you're the salt. You're what's going to take a bland work environment, a bland neighborhood. You're you're the salt. You're going to make it come to life because that's who you are. You are the salt of the earth. You have the power to make a difference, to make a, a big influence on somebody's life. And then he turns around and he changes the metaphor. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, <laughs> as I was studying that this week, I kept thinking to myself, that was such, that, that metaphor was more powerful in Jesus' day. Because, see, in Jesus' day, they had little wicker lamps, and it, they were very like little small lamps, and they didn't have GE, you know. They didn't have the ability to turn on light switches like we do. And so when, they would, when it would get nighttime, they would light a lamp, a little small lamp, and that little small lamp would be their light source for the night. It would be the thing that, that, that uh, disposed of darkness. And what's interesting is in Jesus' day, they would take the lamp, and this makes sense, right? They would put it up on a post, on a, on a pole. And when they raised it up, it would cast light out over the entire place where they were. Now, if you can get that picture instead of us just hitting the light switch, okay, which we're so often, you know, we do all the time. Jesus was saying, you are the lamp. You are the, you are the light that can cast out darkness. You. He did not say as a group, the church. He certainly didn't say the government. He didn't say the schools. He, he, he didn't say America, which, by the way, John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, they quoted from Jesus when they were talking about America. We're going to be a city set on a hill. You remember, you know, you've heard that, right? right? They took it from Jesus. Jesus did not say that about America. He didn't say that about government or schools or anything else. He looked at followers of his, and he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, and so you should do great deeds, and thus everyone else will see that and glorify your Father in heaven. You are, don't, don't miss the weight of this on that light, you are a change agent. If there's darkness where you go, you bring light. If you walk into a place that is depressing and hopeless, you are the light. Do you see the power of what Jesus is saying? He's saying you are a change agent. You have influence. You are the light of the world. Now, so I want you to fill in that first blank for me real quickly. I'm just going to put it right up here behind me. And and this is amazing what I'm about to say, but this is the truth. God entrusts to us, us to create the kingdom experience. He entrusts to us to create the kingdom experience. Okay, let's go back to the restaurant, right? Whether it tastes good or not is going to affect the experience. Whatever the atmosphere is like, it's going to, expect, it's going to impact the experience. And so what Jesus is basically saying is wherever you go, you are taking the kingdom with you, and you are helping create the kingdom life wherever you are. Now, can I just pause with you for a minute, and can I just call a timeout and say, 
whoa, that's scary. I mean, that, that is sobering. That is scary that he is entrusting to us on planet Earth to create the kingdom experience. Can I just tell you, I, I remember when Julie and I first had Abigail, uh, when, we, when we had our first child, when we had our first child, I mean, can I just tell you that I, I knew I might have understood it cognitively, but when I really had my first baby and I really got it, that God was entrusting me to be a dad, that God, how about this one? that God had entrusted Julie and I and invited us to participate in his creation work, that blows me away. Really? Why would you do that, God? Why in your plan? But you did it. Here's another thing God entrusts us with. He entrusts us with taking care of the planet, right? He says, I'm going to give you dominion over it. You need to take care of what I... Are you serious? We can't even take care of our own laundry, and you're going to invite us to take care of the whole place? Really? How about this one? He entrusts us, the Bible says, he entrusts us to be his ambassadors wherever we would go representing him. And I'm like, do you know us, really, that you're entrusting us? And see, this is amazing, guys. God entrusts us with far more than we think we should ever deserve. And he's teaching us in the process. He's teaching us about who we are called to be. He is calling us to be made in his creative image. He is calling us to be stewards who take care of the planet. And he is calling us to be his ambassadors who create a kingdom dynamic, a kingdom culture, a kingdom experience wherever we go. That's amazing. And so Jesus does it so well. He does it with salt and light. And he says, this is who you are. I've called you to be this way. So wherever you go, people will experience the kingdom that way. Now, can I go back to my original question? How do people who are not in the kingdom, who are not Christ followers, experience, discover, taste, see, hear the kingdom of God on planet Earth? And according to Jesus, it's through individual interactions with us wherever we go. We take the kingdom with us. Now, you might sit around and look at the world and say, hmm, I don't like the world right now. I don't like the way things are going. I don't like, the, I don't like anything about what I see here. I don't, like, I, I don't like the school system. I don't like what's happening locally here in Henry County. I don't like what's happening in our nation. Listen, you can say all that that you want to, but here's the question you have to ask yourself. How salty are you? Are you making a difference? I mean, it doesn't help to really complain unless you're really trying to turn up your salt agent. And you, unless you're really trying to turn up your own light to make a difference, right? How do people experience the kingdom? So over the next few minutes, I just want to talk with you about how it, where, where we go with I love my church. Because at the end of the day, I love my church is more than just about us. It's about a world in desperate need. And we love the church when we begin to share the good news and we bring this kingdom dynamic all over the planet. You got your pen? I want to talk with you for a few minutes about how people experience the Jesus kingdom. If you got that, that pen in your hand, under number one, just write this down. People experience the Jesus kingdom when we begin and when we do live out kingdom values. Whenever we live out kingdom values, uh, the kingdom of God values, when we live the kingdom values, which look vastly different from the kingdoms of this world, and from the kingdoms of the, the culture we live in and the society we live in, when we live out kingdom values, people see those values, they, they taste something different, and it has a huge impact on them. So here's what you need to know. 
Jesus stands up. He's in, he's in the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He stands up to preach, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And people quote that stuff all the time, but they forget what he said right before it. So if you want to know, you want to put it in context, you have to read the verses before it. Can we do that real quickly? Listen to what Jesus said right before he said, your change agents, your influences, your salt and light. This is what Jesus said. He gave us a picture of kingdom life, of kingdom character, and of kingdom values. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, the very first part of his great sermon. He said, Jesus began to teach them, God blesses those who are poor. By the way, in your outline, I've highlighted some of these words. I've bolded them, okay? Because these are the points that I want to lift out. These are the adjectives of the kingdom life. Jesus began to teach them, God blesses those who are poor and they realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. See, before the great metaphors of salt and light, before Jesus even tells them who they are to be as a change agent in the world, he looks at them just like I'm looking at you here today, and he says, I, I need to tell you what the kingdom values are, and I need to tell you the life that God blesses, because you're my followers, and I want you to act that way. I asked the, uh, the guys who, who run our screens to just put this all up there at one time. And, and this is a picture of the kingdom values. God's blessing rests on those who are. Now, would you just track this with me? God's blessings rest on those who are poor and they realize their need for him. Would you agree that we live in a culture that does not celebrate poverty? That does not, I mean, nobody wants to be poor, right? I mean, we live in a culture that's all about the exact opposite of that. And Jesus comes along and he says, can I just tell you what the kingdom dynamic is? God's blessings, his blessings rest on the poor because they realize it's not all about them. They're not all sufficient by themselves. They realize they have a great need for God. God blesses those who mourn for in their mourning and in their grief, they will experience him. They will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble and gentle. Your different versions of your Bible will say it different, way, different ways. But who are humble, meek, gentle. This, this blessing of God rests on those people. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for right relationship. Some of your Bibles might say for righteousness sake. But, but the idea here when Jesus was sharing it was, God blesses people who want to be in a right relationship with their Father who want to stay away from darkness and who don't want to run with the crowd, who but really want to, who want to run hard after their father. But not only that, 
their heart is so sold on being in right relationship with others. So they don't, they don't hold grudges. They're not, they're, they don't have these unforgiveness things going on with a, with a brother or a sister. They are people who are hungering and thirsting to stay in right relationship vertically and right relationship with other people horizontally. God blesses those who are merciful. They give out mercy, not judgment, not judgment, but give out mercy to people who need that grace. God's blessing rests on those who are pure. <laughs> Where's Zacchaeus? Zach, you in the room? Where you at, Zach? Zach. Baptizing Zach at the end of worship today. Zach, I looked up your name this week. Did you know Zacchaeus means pure? I want you to hold on to that. God's blessing rests on those who are pure of heart, the Bible says. God's blessings rest on those who create and bring peace. The Bible calls them peacemakers, not peacekeepers, peacemakers. Wherever they go, they make peace where they are. And that last one, God's blessing rests on those who are persecuted for doing right. Stephen, what are you saying? I'm saying, listen, when you and I live according to these values that Jesus laid out at the very beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, I'm telling you guys, we are creating an atmosphere where we become more salty, we become light, and we, we expel the darkness wherever we are. And, and when we don't live that way, we're just like the rest of the world. We're just like the rest of the world. We're not salt at all. And you heard what Jesus said about salt that's not salty. It's, it's of no use at all. So real quickly, before we leave point number one, people experience the kingdom when people like you and me, who are Christ followers, who are trying to be salt and light, they live like that. They experience us living out kingdom values, and it looks different than the world, and they go, why would you do that? What reasons? For what reasons do you do that? Hey, before I leave that screen, would you just do a little personal heart inventory real quickly? What about you? When you look at that, <laughs> I ask myself, God, which one of those do I really need more of in my life? Could you just look at those down that eight real quickly, down those eight little asterisks, and would you just pray like a little small whisper prayer in your soul? God, would you give me more of this? I want more of this for my family. I want more of this for my church. I want more of this for my workplace. I need this, God. I need this. Help me to be more of this. Give me your spirit and your power to live out this value better than I have been. See, people experience the kingdom of God when you and I begin to really live by kingdom's values, and, and, and our neighbors are impacted. And just one final thought before we move on to point number two. Here's the truth. Here's the facts. There are a lot of Christians on planet Earth who live just like their neighbors. They, their life looks just like everybody else's life. And they really haven't understood that there are kingdom values that they're supposed to be living out that look radically different than the person next door. May we be the kind of people who love by living out these kingdom values and sharing that into the world, giving that into the world like salt and light. Write this one down. So also, people experience the kingdom of God when our influence is winsome. When our influence is, is winsome. What do you mean by winsome, Stephen? I, I like that word, by the way. I, I heard somebody use that word not long ago, and I thought... I like that. 
Uh, let me tell you why. I'm, a, I'm, I'm running a rabbit trail here for a minute. Can I just tell you one of the reasons I like that word is at the root of the word, when I discovered what it meant, I was like, yeah, I want to be that way. Uh, one time somebody said of me, I'm, I'm a real kind of loud, kind of out there kind of guy. Somebody looked at me and said, you're enthusiastic. I was like, yeah, I try to be enthusiastic. And then I went and looked up the word. And do you know what the word means? Entheos. The word God is right in the middle of enthusiastic. And it means God within you. And I thought, oh, that's about the greatest compliment anybody could ever give me. And I bet you haven't ever thought about that when somebody looked at you and said, man, you're enthusiastic. Have you ever thought about the fact that that word comes from God within? Winsome. What does winsome mean? Winsome means attractive. Winsome means appealing. Winsome even means cheerful. The other night night we were at a football game, and the cheerleaders are down there. They're cheering on their team, you know. They're not only cheering their stuff, they're trying to get the crowd to cheer it back, you know. They're winsome, all right. They're they're cheering on their team. They're appealing. They're attractive. That's the idea of winsome. And what I want to tell you is that when you live your Christ life in a winsome way, in an attractive way, in an appealing way, somebody looks at you and they go, wow, look at their life. Look at how they talk, look at how they live, look at how they act, look at who they are. When people live that way, they experience the kingdom of God because you're living your life in an appearing, I'm sorry, an appealing, attractive way. I mean, do people not do that? Absolutely. I'm going to walk on, I'm going to tread on some light ground here, but a few, few weeks ago I was in Athens, Georgia for a Georgia football game. And um, listen, I'm, I went to the University of Georgia, and the same thing was on the campus back when I was at the University of Georgia, right across from the Tate Student Union Center. I was walking across the bridge, and there was um, some, some folks with loudspeakers and big signs. Um, and those signs had stuff to say on them about repentance and the people who God will reject and this and that. And they were yelling out over the loudspeaker all their stuff about judgment and this and that and you must repent and there I go walking right by him and you know can I just tell you it really hadn't changed in in probably the 30 years since I was at the university almost 30 years since I was at the University of Georgia except now they've got a little bit more technology don't get me wrong I'm not criticizing those people if God called them to do that, there's, there's a good work that they're doing there. It's just different than the work that I've been called to do. And as I looked around, and they were talking about repentance, and they were talking about judgment, they were talking about the need but God's mercy, here's the problem. I saw people going to a football game, and I, I, didn't, see, I didn't really see anybody asking questions or, or repenting or, or wanting to be, receive that mercy it just felt like it was a good message. It was really good message, but maybe the wrong atmosphere. Are you with me? Going back to that whole food plus atmosphere equals experience. Are you understanding what I'm saying? What I want to say to you is, <laughs> I think it's easy to get a sign and to go stand somewhere. I think it's a lot harder to go where you live, work, and play and you to live a winsome life in front of people, and you point your finger to the sky and say, Jesus lives in me. That's why I have the life I have. I think that's, that's attractive. I think that's contagious Christianity when people live that way. 
And can I just tell you as a pastor, I get to see this out of many of your lives all the time. I, I, you invite people to church and then you walk off. You walk to go get a cup of coffee and those people that are your coworkers or that are your relatives, they stand with me for a minute and they tell me the impact that you've made on them while you're gone. And if you only knew how many times that happens to me. When I ask them to describe their relationship with you, they talk about how you have impacted their life and they are here. Not because they think this is a great church or they've heard great things about music or preaching. They're here because of the winsomeness of your life and how your life has impacted their life. You see, what I want to say to you guys is, to me, that's where the kingdom dynamic is most powerful. When you are living a life that is just attractive and beautiful and, and, and is appealing to other people, and they go, I want what that person's got. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, Matthew 5, 15, Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So that's kind of the goal, that we, would, that we would live these lives that just cast out light, that just cast light everywhere, even into the darkness. And the beauty of it all is that those who are in darkness or who are, who are surrounded by darkness, they begin to experience that life and that light from us. So how do people experience the kingdom of God? They experience the kingdom of God when we live out kingdom values that are different from the world. They experience the kingdom of God when we begin to win, live winsome lives, appealing, attractive lives. Write this one down, if you will, as well. They experience the Jesus kingdom when we do good works in Jesus' name. When we do good works in Jesus' name. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your good deeds, if you have your pen, you might want to underline those. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Then you underline those, those three words, all to see. So in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. By the way, the, uh, the Greek there for where it says good deeds is actually the word beautiful, okay? You might want to write that in the margin there. Jesus says, in the same way, let your beautiful deeds, let your beautiful acts that you do for all to see impact everyone and then allow them to give praise to your Father in heaven. Hey, watch this with me real quickly. We say it around here all the time. Christianity is not about religion. Christianity is not about rules. Christianity is about relationship. That's what Christianity is. Now, for the greater part of this series, we've talked about relationship in the family, brothers and sisters, right? That's what we've talked about. But when it comes to this point about us doing good deeds, what we're talking about here is that this, this thing, this relationship goes beyond us. It goes out into a world where people have never experienced the kingdom or haven't, haven't really come into the kingdom yet. And the, our beautiful acts done in the name of Jesus will draw them to Christ. Are you getting that picture with me? That's the idea, that you would be a seasonal agent, that you would be a, an influencing agent like salt and light to influence them towards the kingdom. So I'm driving to church this way. Now watch this. Everybody look up at me, if you will. I'm driving to church this morning, and I'm thinking about that scripture that I know that I'm, I'm going to be reading right here at the close of my message, and I'm thinking about the beautiful acts that we do in Christ's name. Now, I think you would agree with me, if you're anything like me, I think you would agree with me, 
that I've done some beautiful acts before. I've done some good deeds to people. You've probably done some too, right? But when they were done with that moment, when they experienced grace or mercy or a gift of kindness, whatever it was, who was on their mind is the big question when it comes down to this. Now, I'm just going to confess something to you. I've done beautiful deeds and acts of kindness, and I think that person left that moment, and they were thinking that I was a kind person. They were thinking about me. They were thinking that I was very nice. Maybe I was incredibly moral, that I was a good person and kind to them, and so they received something from me. But see, I think what Jesus is saying here is, There's a difference between you being vague in your good deeds. You just do a nice deed for somebody, and, and then you really pointing your finger to the sky and say, this is not from me. This is from Jesus. So I'm driving to church this morning, and I'm just thinking, Lord, show me some beautiful moments, some beautiful deeds that happen in the Bible where some of your greatest followers, they did beautiful things, and then they said, it's not from me. By the way, this is from Jesus. And my mind went to a few different scriptures, but one in particular, Acts chapter 3. And I'm not going to read it to you. I'm not even going to put it on the screen. But you remember the moment, right? Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are, are going, to the, going up to the temple. They're in the city of Jerusalem, and they pass a beggar on the ground, remember? And the beggar cries out, and he says, can you give me alms? Can you give me, can you give me something? I need money. And Peter and John look at the beggar, and you remember their response? They say, Silver and gold, uh, First Peter, I'm, I'm sorry, Acts chapter uh, 3, verses like 1 through 5. Silver and gold, we don't have. Have I none? But what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> As if to say, what we have, we're going to give you, it's not from us. It's not from me. My name is not important. John's name's not important. We give it to you in the name of Jesus. And then they speak life over that person. He raises up. He's whole and healthy, and it's all done in the name of Jesus. And see, I think people experience the kingdom dynamic when you and I do beautiful deeds, and we're not vague about it. We tell people it's from Jesus. So can you just imagine what that would look like? Oh, some of you right now, you're thinking, well, Stephen, I'd like to do that. Man, if I, if I do that in my workplace and then I point to Jesus, man, I can get, I can get in so much trouble. I was, I was thinking about Katie Moat, who's a nurse back there, and how it would be for Katie to go in there, take, take care of somebody in their hospital room. They say, oh, thank you. And Katie walk out and say, don't thank me, thank Jesus. Jesus is taking care of you. Oh, I get in so much trouble. Yeah, I'll leave that with you. What does it look like for you to be salt and light? And what would it look like for you to do your good deeds in the name of Jesus so that all could see, all could see, and give glory to your Father in heaven? What would that look like? You know, as we close down this series, uh, let me go back to my little math equation. Food plus atmosphere equals experience. Well, what would it look like if you and I were salt and light? Salt, tasty winsome lives, living kingdom values, and the atmosphere? What if we were doing good deeds? What if their experience of the kingdom was just so attractive? Today, when we finish up from this place, we're going to have a great day of celebration. We're going to have fun. 
But I pray that folks, if you're kind of new here to Harvest Point, I hope that you will see a place of people who love each other, and I hope that you will see good deeds done, not because we're a nice church, but done because we love you in the name of Jesus. And by the way, if some of you guys are going to help feed Luella on Friday morning, here's what you can know. Ross Cooper is going to stand forward, and he's not going to say, this is from Harvest Point. This is from this nice church down the road. You can come there on Sundays. It's not going to be about that. It's going to be, you've been fed this morning, and it's going to be about Jesus. This is from Jesus. This is the good deeds we do in Jesus' name, and we've done one for you here this morning by feeding you. And boy, if we could just, in the name of Jesus, you and me and you and me and all of us together, if we could keep on doing that, I just think the kingdom will keep expanding in powerful ways. So final scripture. The very first scripture I read to you in this whole series was from Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I just want to say thanks for being with me on this journey as we've studied how to love the church well. And if you've ever been hurt by the church or if you've had some moments where you got turned off, can I just remind you, God's brought you to a very healthy church right now, a church that is a life-giving church that doesn't play games. We're trying to be all that we can be for Christ. And you're sitting right next to somebody else who just wants to know and learn and be more like Jesus. Hey, listen, here's what I want to close down this series with. Love the church. I mean, really love the church and drop your fences and live out your superpowers. Live out your superpowers, guys, and continue to give maybe in new ways that you even thought you could. And live out your faith like salt and light. And you just watch what happens. Your, your love for the church will grow even more. And your love for your neighbor will grow more too. Hey, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this journey we've been on, and I thank you for your word. Your word spoken as a Sermon on the Mount so many, so many, so many years ago is still bringing life today for us. And so we just invite you, Lord, help us to be salt and light. I mean real salt, Lord. Help us to do it with our kingdom values. Help us to do it with our, 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 our winsome lives. Help us to do it, Jesus, when we do good deeds, to do it in your name, not in ours. And so, in so doing, God, we pray that we would influence the world, drive out darkness, that we would draw people to you, and may your kingdom continue to advance in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, as we give in the next few minutes, and then later on as we uh, get ready to baptize someone, would you be glorified in all that happens in the next few minutes here? As we worship through our giving, as we worship through our song, may you be glorified. Take our gifts and multiply them far beyond our reach in the mighty and strong name of Jesus. Amen.
It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. 